Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. What are you hungry for? This week's reading comes from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and it's commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran out and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends." But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a man who had two sons. It's one of the oldest stories in the Bible, one of the most repeated stories in Scripture, one of the most familiar stories in human history. There was a man who had two sons. Adam had two sons, Cain and Abel. 
The younger was favored, the older was jealous. Cain murdered his brother, but God marked him with a seal of protection, reconciling him to the human family. There was a man who had two sons. Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. The younger was blessed with the promises of God, the cherished child of the covenant. The older was sent away, destined to be a wild man, fighting with everyone, even his own family. But Ishmael's name contained its own blessing, the Lord hears. And when Abraham died, the two sons met in peace and buried him together. Their predictions proved wrong, and the two were reconciled. There was a man who had two sons. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. The younger stole birthright and blessing, and the older swore murder in revenge. And yet, when Jacob, wounded from his wrestling, encountered Esau, the two brothers reconciled. There was a man who had two sons. The younger had his every desire indulged by his father. He was given his inheritance when he requested it, and he was welcomed home with a feast after he squandered it. The older stayed home, worked hard, did what was expected of him, maybe more. And when his good-for-nothing brother was welcomed home like a long-lost hero, when his good-for-nothing brother was dressed in the best clothes and adorned with the family jewels, when his good-for-nothing brother was celebrated with an impromptu party, he didn't even get the memo, a party on the family estate, a party in his own house. Nearly everyone went in for the feast except for the older son who didn't know what was going on, who wasn't invited, who wasn't even missed. Years, maybe decades of frustration finally boiled over, and when his father came out to fetch him, to bring him to the celebration of the one who had basically opted out of the family, the older brother couldn't even bear to acknowledge the relationship. He referred to his younger brother as this son of yours, distancing himself from both his brother and his father. The older brother, the brother who never disobeyed his father, the brother who never dishonored his family, the brother who never left the family home, the older brother now declares himself detached from the family. He is the outsider. He is the ostracized one. He is the one who is left out, dismissed, ignored. Or that's how he feels, and that's probably how he felt for a long, long time. This parable comes as the final one in a set of three. In the first parable, a man has a hundred sheep and one goes missing. He searches for the lost sheep, and when he finds it, he throws a party in celebration. In the second parable, a woman has two coins, she loses one, and when she finds it, she throws a party in celebration. In this third parable, there was a man who had two sons. We are to expect the same pattern of lost, found, rejoice, but we should also expect a twist, and a twist we get. The younger son leaves, returns, and finds himself at a party, but he's never lost. That's not to say that the father and others don't experience his absence as a loss, but he's not lost. First, he left. He didn't go missing. But second, the family seems at least marginally aware of 
where he is and how things are going for him. This is confirmed by the older brother who, not yet having spoken to his younger sibling, knows that this good-for-nothing brother has squandered his inheritance on sex workers. It's likely also that the family was keeping some tabs on the younger brother because the father seems to know to be looking out for him, expecting him to return. At any rate, this little brother is not lost and no one's looking for him. The one who is lost, the one who is missing, is the older brother, but no one knew it. He might not even have known it. All of the attention of the family, all of the attention of the parable, is given to the younger brother. The parable begins, there was a man who had two sons, but we don't hear anything about one of those two sons, anything about the older son, until the last quarter of the story, until after the younger son goes off, has an adventure, returns in glory, gets a makeover, and then a party in his honor. It seems like that should be the end of the story, but no, someone was missing from the whole narrative. Someone was missing from the action, from the drama, from the family, and from the party, and we didn't even notice, and neither did anyone else, including his father. And the story here in this parable isn't finished. We have the older son's complaint, and we have the father's response, but then we don't know what happens next. We know what we want to happen next. We want the father and the older son to reconcile and go into that party. And then we want to see the two brothers reconcile as well. That's what's supposed to happen. That's how this story is supposed to end. But will it? Can it? The father's words are lovely, grace-filled. Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Who wouldn't want to hear that? Who doesn't long to hear something like that? It's lovely, wonderful, tender, warm, assuring. It's probably exactly what the older son had wanted to hear, had needed to hear, had longed to hear. But for how long had he been waiting for those words? How long had he felt taken for granted, ignored, forgotten, literally left out of the narrative? How long had he been the one there, but also the one neglected? How long had he listened to his family, to the household, talk about his younger brother and how he was doing while no one asked him how he was? How long had he been the one actually attending to the household while getting no attention from the household? How long had his resentment and anger festered? These words from his father were no doubt what he wanted and needed to hear, but how long had he gone without them? Were they enough now to convince, to reconcile, or were those words just too late? Would they embrace and enter the banqueting hall together, or would that older son turn and walk away? Because people, people are more demanding than sheep and coins. People are more challenging to find when they're lost. People are more difficult to bring back when they're absent. People can be standing right in front of you and you might not know that they're gone from you. And the people you might want to find, the people you might want to bring back, might not have any interest in being found, in coming back. There are a lot of lessons to be learned from this parable, but let's take this straightforward one this time. Relationships are hard. Relationships require effort. 
They have to be cultivated. We have to check in with each other. We have to check up on each other. And it is too often the people closest to us, the people we most depend upon, the people we most love, whom we end up hurting or losing through an inattentiveness that can feel to them like neglect or dismissal or scorn. We don't often even know that they are hurting or lost until things come to a crisis. And then who knows whether it's too late to say the things we should have been saying all along. You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. We have to love one another because we need one another. This life is too hard to go it alone. This life is too hard to go it without each other. This life is too hard to go it without love. Love transforms both the beloved and the lover. It brings both closer to the divine by imitating the God whose very name is love, the God whose very nature is love, the God who created us for love and to be loved, the God who sings throughout human history from our creation to the reconciliation of all things. You are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Don't wait to join that song. Don't worry that you might wear it out. I promise it only gets better with repetition. Sing it all day. Remix it if you like. But learn that song. Join that song. Go ahead and belt it out. Don't be afraid to sing it. Everyone wants to hear it. Let them hear it now and every day. Let them hear it often so you're reconciled with each repetition. Let them hear it so there will be no doubt that they'll follow you rejoicing into the banqueting hall. Let them hear it often so they'll learn God's song from you. You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. <laughs>